Welcome, everyone, to another edition of My Bloody Podcast. This is episode five. Holy Moses. Episode number five. We've been here over a month. My Bloody Podcast. That's like five scary movies, like the scary movie, you know, with the Waynes Brothers, scary movie five. There's been five episodes. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. I'm Brian Kluger uh, here to talk about horror movies and news with you my co-host is amazingly and beautiful smelling he's the big trouble in little china himself <laughs> preston barta what's up my main man i'm good i'm good how are you i'm doing well i'm doing well do you like being the big trouble in little china i like that title i like carpenter <laughs> that is excellent. That is good. Uh, you, you do... people, people used to call me the Italian stallion for some reason. Are you Italian? Nope, not at all. Irish. Irish. So that's interesting. They call you Italian stallion. Is that like a like a Rocky Sylvester Stallone thing, or is that just? You... I think it's because in high school, I mean, I have jet black hair. And so I would like slick it to the side. And so I guess I looked Italian or somebody from the Godfather. So they would just call me that. So you would actually slick back your hair like all the way back? I did it occasionally, not all the time. Oh, my God. So I've known Preston, I feel like, for eight years. Um, and I've never once seen him with his hair combed back. He's always kind of had short hair. Um, it's a little longer now, I think. Um, but yeah. Uh, I, I, dude, you need to grow this shit out, and I want to see this jet black long hair, so I can call you the Italian Stallion. My <laughs> goodness, <sighs> I, that's that's amazing, sir. <laughs> that yeah. is good. Uh, we have a great show for you today, episode number five. Um, yeah, we're gonna have bloody recommendations. We're gonna have our main topic, which is a trio of films called It's Alive. I'm very excited. Uh, and we have lots of horror news and other things to catch up on. Uh, Preston, you've been doing all right, buddy? Yeah, I've been doing good. Do, doing well? I got to I got to talk to a horror, horror maestro himself recently. Um, I got to talk to uh, John Landis, director of American Werewolf in London. And that was uh, amongst other movies. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we need to do an American Werewolf in London episode. That is a good film. Yeah, we should. We so you, you got to talk to him for like thirty minutes. I, you know what happened? So I, I asked for thirty minutes to talk with John Landis. When I got there, it was like they were like, "Can you like do like 20, 25 minutes?" I was like, "We'll see." I ended up going for forty-five minutes. <laughs> forty-five. Anyone stop talking? We just kept talking and. Even after the camera shut off and everything, we're going to have the audio portion of the 45-minute interview on my bloody podcast on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, folks. It's coming. It's being edited and everything. There will be video of it, too, but we're going to have an audio portion of it, and it's so much fun. It was so cool. 45 minutes. I think it was my best interview yet. Ooh, well, I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, I can't wait to hear it, too. I hope I didn't sound too ridiculous. But, yeah, John Lance was cool to talk to. We talked about literally everything. Um, not everything, but almost. I mean, we talked about American World War from London, how he met a bunch of the famous filmmakers of the time, and his love of movies, Michael Jackson, Thriller, mm -hmm. all of it. We didn't talk about Twilight Zone, though. That's a big no-no, although I really mm. wanted to. But we didn't bring up that. But I did I – I'll give you a little hint, uh, probably a question that he probably doesn't get asked a whole lot. I asked him about uh, if he ever met Stanley Kubrick before because Kubrick is one of my favorite filmmakers. He had an awesome story on how, the first time he met Stanley Kubrick. So wow. you'll get to hear that. It was a really cool story. Um, but yes, yes. Uh, Preston. Mm -hmm. Horror movie news. Let's dive into this. Let's start out with something that we've heard so much about for so many years, it feels like. Zombieland 2, the sequel. Zombieland hit theaters several years ago, and it was a huge success. It was awesome. It was fun. Uh, and then they were like, we're going to make a sequel, and then it didn't happen. We're going to make a TV series. It didn't happen. Now it seems like it's actually going to happen in movie form. What do you think about this? 
Uh, kind of mixed. Uh, I think they captured kind of lightning in a bottle when it came out the first time, the, the, the original film. It was just a lot of fun. I just, I get very anxious when movies take a long time to kind of come out and it uses that same style. So I hope it's a little, it's new in a lot of ways, but if they bring back the, the entire cast, which supposedly they are, and they have the same writers, it, it could be good. Yeah, that's what it says. It says uh, the original film screenwriters, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, who did Deadpool and Deadpool 2, are going to write the film. Uh, and it says the original cast is going to return. So I guess that means Woody Harrelson, uh, Abigail Breslin, and, oh, what's her name? Emma Stone. I guess those are the oh no wait and uh, I'm missing somebody the, Jesse Eisenberg, Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> how can we forget uh, so I guess that's the four we won't be seeing uh, Bill Murray unfortunately but I'm sure they'll have another cameo like that other than those four people I don't think there are really anybody in the movie I wonder if they're going to meet up with a few other survivors that are named after cities or states yeah um yeah, I or maybe mean, maybe they have a kid of their own. I don't know. That would be funny. Uh, I guess what everyone says is that they hope to start uh, shooting um, very soon, and they're eyeing uh, an October 2019 release. So about a year and a half from now, that hope they hope Halloween time to be out. I'm, you know, you say that you know, lightning in a bottle. I think when the first film came out, uh, Zombieland, I, it was like before the market was completely saturated with zombie movies and TV shows. Yep. So nowadays, it's just kind of hard to find something that hasn't been done before. I yeah. mean, I'm excited to revisit this again. Uh, I just don't, yeah, I have no idea how it will play out. It, maybe if um, they kind of evolve, like the zombies themselves have evolved and they're like, different creature designs kind of like uh, resident evil or even that movie that we saw i don't know if you saw it at fantastic fest the cured oh yes 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 yeah like how that just felt like a unique zombie movie that hasn't been done before so i feel like if they try to do something a little bit develop the zombies themselves a little bit more than what we've seen that it, it can be exciting. It can be more than just a movie. That's just, a, you know, a bunch of dick jokes or whatever it is. I agree. Um, I would like to see them take kind of like the George Romero land of the dead premise where in that movie, it showed the start of the zombies actually communicating with one another. Yeah. Um, I thought that was really cool because, you know, if you're going for a kind of a realistic zombie type of thing, Either all the zombies are going to, like, eventually die out of stardom, of um, starvation. Starvation. Yeah, not stardom. Starvation. And they'll just become bones, you know. But, I mean, that might take several months or a year. However, uh, with them eating so much or whatever and, like, learning to communicate, I think that would be a really cool aspect. But who knows what they have planned. Because, like, you know, we mentioned earlier, they planned this i think right after the first film came out and then a tv series but none of it ever happened and i wonder what the problem is and why this is happening now yeah i don't know it seems like a lot of things when they announce hey this is gonna happen they kind of just gauge it from uh the way people are discussing it uh movie sites sharing the news and then just kind of fizzles out because excitement uh fizzles out it as well and then we move on to other things. Yeah, I'm uh, just I'm interested in it. I I definitely will be on board. I I like I said I love the first one. I I think it still holds up and is worth repeated viewings. I uh, haven't seen it in a long time. It's fun, it's still fun. Uh, but yeah, we'll keep you posted on that news. But yeah, expect Zombieland two a year and a half from now. Hopefully, hopefully it all goes well. Um, all right. Moving on, uh, for those of you who saw the revamp, the remake of Stephen King's It recently in theaters last year with all the kids, you know, of course, they're going to do the second part uh, with the adults now coming back to Derry. It looks like there's a little bit of casting news in the form of the uh, sequel to It. Uh, are you excited about this casting news? 
I am. Um, I'm glad. Well, right now, as of now, I mean, before they announced the two new stars, uh, they had Jessica Chastain coming on as the adult Beverly, Bill Hader as uh, Richie, and James McAvoy as Ben. And uh, I was worried that it was just going to be all star-studded, like just A-list actors in there, and it was going to kind of become a distraction in a way, and I wanted them to get people that aren't big name people, but are somewhat recognizable as these like kind of secondary characters in other films and TV shows. And that's what they've done. These, uh, these new two cast members that they've uh, brought on board. Yeah. And is it, uh, I'm trying to think, is it James Ransone and, uh, who else? Andy B. And, yeah. James Ransone. He's in the sinister movies. And okay, yeah. I, I, I know him best from, uh, he was in, uh, dang it, I'm spit blanking on the name of the movie, Tangerine. Oh, Tangerine, he was at the, yes. Yeah, he was He was at the very end of Tangerine as one of their boyfriends that was uh, real wigged out, had like blue uh, sweatpants and a shirt and then a backwards cap and everything. So he kind of looks like Jim Carrey, like a young Jim Carrey. And, Which is cool. Yeah. But he looks the part... Um, I kind of thought that they were going to get Fred Savage to play that part, but this guy's a good uh, second choice. Yeah, he's the the Eddie character was uh, the kid who was um, constantly sick. Like he always had the um, the inhaler. That's Mm -hmm. Eddie. Yeah, gazebos. (laughs) Yeah, gazebos. Um, but yeah, and I think they totally nailed it. Bill Hader playing Richie Tozer, who's like the jokester of the group. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. Uh, James McAvoy playing Bill and Jessica Chastain playing Beverly. I think that's pretty cool. I guess that's, uh, it for now. We don't know who's playing Bill or Stanley or Ben yet. Um, well, Andy Bean's going to play Stanley. Oh, that's right. That's what I meant. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, Stanley. Young Stanley. Stanley is the uh, the, the Jewish kid. So um, I'm I'm excited, and I'm, I'm glad Bill Skarsgård's coming back for Pennywise because he did a pretty good job. And mm-hmm. I, I hear I, I I'm hearing rumors that it's going to be like much darker, more sinister. Pennywise is going to be scarier because I mean, even though Pennywise was scarier in the first one, it, there was a lot of really funny moments in the movie. So, yeah, because uh, the first one you you have kids and you're dealing with a lot of, you know, that that sense of wonder and uh, it, it made it horrifying because you have like this killer clown around kids and kids being murdered is uh, never, never cool. And so uh, this one, I imagine, is going to be de- dealing with a lot more of uh, adult themes and things like that. So uh, it has to feel like a different movie. Yeah, I think so. I'm I'm excited to see what, where they go with it. I'm sure it'll be pretty good, and it looks and we might actually see the young kid actors return for uh, flashbacks or whatnot, which would be awesome as well. Yeah. So I'm in. Maybe they'll they'll put that orgy scene in there. <laughs> you know, if they if they get to do that, I mean, that's going to be pretty crazy. You know, that's going to be insane. Uh, or if they bring like a meta level to the film and they like they're reflecting he's like yeah you remember that one time in the cave or in the t- in the sewers when this happened you're like whoa, whoa no i don't remember that at all yeah so and, if it, for and, those of you who haven't read it the book by stephen king there is you know kid orgy in it and it was it's not done in a bad way it's kind of like you know beverly in order to defeat pennywise all of the kids and her are angry at each other and mean to each other and that just uh makes pennywise stronger and in order to do that she kind of sleeps with every one of them to bring them closer together to defeat pennywise Mm -hmm. it's it's really hardcore but yeah if they do that scene whoo i just 
<laughs> you, I wonder if on the set of the first one, because you pro- those kids probably read that book. I wonder if they all asked, like, "Are we going to do this? What's happening?" They're like, uh, "Don't worry, don't worry about that. We're, we can't get away with doing that." That's true. Um, and yes, we have a while to wait for that movie as well. That movie, it chapter two, will come out September six, two thousand nineteen. So we have a little yeah. while. We have a, a year and a few months. Yeah, uh, unless on. unless you're Lars von Trier. <laughs> yes. Unless and speaking you know. and speaking of him, did you hear about his new movie? I cannot wait to see his new movie. I like Lars von Trier a lot. I have, I think, all of his films, um, and I can't wait because this movie, his new movie, sounds something like what American Psycho should have been. Or, I mean, I love the original. I love the movie American Psycho as well as the book, but. This looks like to be so much more diabolical. And I heard that at the film festival, tons of people walked out. But I think at this film festival, most people are kind of, you know, for lack of a better word, pussies. So I don't know. They just they just walk out of stuff. I mean, that wouldn't happen at Fantastic Fest. You know, people just like they know this. They would stay in. What do you think? Um, yeah, I read that like uh, about 100 people walked out of it and then like somebody had tweeted i'm dressed in like a ball gown and i'm here watching kids get shot and women get killed and uh it just has me more curious it's kind of like uh when one of my my favorite movie of 2016 raw uh premiered at the toronto film festival i believe and it was, at a, it was a midnight showing and people walked out of that because they couldn't stomach it but it ended up being like a really good movie And it wasn't bad at all either. uh Uh-uh. So, and I'm sure this one will test me because it's Lars von Trier and he always tests me. And, uh, but I, I appreciate how he just pushes, uh, the limits of making art and entertainment. And a lot of people say that this is neither art or entertainment when you have a guy and the movie's called the house that Jack built starring Matt Dillon. And he plays a serial killer who views each of his murders as a work of art. So it's it's gonna it's gonna upset a lot of people. But I'm genuinely curious. But hey, that's like kind of taken off a of real life. Some serial killers viewed it as a work of art, like Ed Gein. You know, he yeah. made like like dresses and suits and furniture out of his victims. You know, it's a. Uh, and, you know, with Lars von Trier, who's done movies, uh, really crazy movies. Um, Antichrist, uh, the, what was that, Nymphomania? Nymphomania, Melancholia. <laughs> you know, he has a way with stuff. But, yeah, it's. I can't wait to see this. I can't wait to see his version of a serial killer because, I'm, I mean, hopefully it's like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, but very artistically done. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I want to see this right now, sir. But yes, yeah. yes, yes. So look out for that movie. What is it called again? The House That Jack Built. Yeah, The House That Jack Built. Excited, wow. excited, large on cheers. All right. Uh, let's talk about last, I think a week or so ago, we talked about uh, Funko Pop doing a Black Phillip character. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> if you're in uh, for the Halloween mood and you still like buying masks and stuff like that and dressing up for Halloween... Um, if you remember that video game, Silent Hill, they made several of them, really creepy game, uh, and as well as the movies. Um, there was a character in this video game and movie, um, and it was like this creature with a pyramid head. It looked like a giant py- like metal stone pyramid over your head, and they usually had big hammers. They were really scary looking, but now this studio is going to make these officially licensed pyramid heads they're gigantic i mean they're like actual size like that you know might be like three feet tall and you put it over your head um they are expected to be out later this year so if you're in for that i think that would be like kind of cool just to have and just be sitting at the house and just have that on somebody comes in the door you scares them i don't know i'm in for that do you th- did you ever play Silent Hill or anything like that? No, I did not. But I did see the picture of it, and I'm wondering how the hell you see out of it because it looks like a junkyard piece or like one of the models from like Blade Runner just sitting on top of your head. Uh, yeah, 
I'm sure it's expensive. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be a couple hundred dollars. Like it's really detailed. It it looks really nice. And it looks really good. And I imagine the way to see out of it, there's got to be like like little slits for your eye holes. Um, which again, if you've ever worn a mask like that, is super difficult to see out of. And when you're breathing in that rubber or latex or whatever, it just gets hot and sweaty and gross. And I don't know, but it looks it looks awesome. I I'm I really want to do this. <laughs> I really want to get one because that would yeah, be so well, much fun. I wonder if they make. To you. Wonder if they make dog size ones. I'm a little dog running around with that thing on. It looks like you can fit your dog inside of it. <laughs> That's also what she said. Buzzing. Um, all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Uh, the evil pyramid head. Yes, coming to Silent Hill later this year. Look for it. Um, moving on. More zombie news. It's just zombies today. Uh, the 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 main guy, uh, Juan Pablo uh, Raba, I think his name is. Um, he's the the main guy in the Netflix series Narcos. He is set to star in a new horror comedy movie called I Love Zombies. And I'm super excited about that because this kind of reminds me of One of the Dead. Did you ever see One of the Dead? I did not. Oh, it's a Cuban zombie movie, but it's comedy horror, and it was excellent. But this one's called I Love Zombies, uh, and I'm very excited uh, to hear more about this. I'm very excited. I love this actor. Um, are you interested in a... I mean, so this is a zombie movie that I'm interested in. It kind of like seems different. Yeah, so. I mean, whenever I love comedy horror movies, they're they're fantastic. They're they tend to be some of my favorite. I mean, we just did uh, Jason Lives, and that's one of my favorite uh, comedy horror films. And uh, I guess he's playing a zombie hunter in this one. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's fine. Um, I mean, there's not too much out there about it, but the title alone and just the idea of it being a comedy horror movie is okay with me. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. I, I think, you know, I think you can, since the market is saturated so much with zombies now, it's just, you know, we have so many. What's the new one? So I think this one might have a little bit of clout in, like, being different. And I'm definitely in for this. Uh, and I think, is it is it going to be, like, uh, English or is it going to be, like, Colombian or uh, something like that? I have no idea. Uh, I imagine it might be in English. All right, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. No Unless what. the title, if the title was in Spanish, that's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, look out for I Love Zombies coming up. Uh, looking forward to it. Another piece of news, um, which is really really cool. Uh, you remember the the anthology horror movie Trick or Treat? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it looks like Universal Horror Nights uh, is going to have a trick-or-treat themed theme park type of thing. I'm very excited about this at uh, Universal Orlando Resort uh, and Universal Studios Hollywood. Um, I'm in. Like, I want to fly out to California or Florida and do this because <laughs> yeah, I love the love movie to... so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be a lot of fun. I like mazes. Yeah, so it's kind of like a big haunted house type of theme thing, and I guess uh, the guests are to live by the rules or suffer the consequences. Um, so basically, uh, you're, there, there was a werewolf story where like these really hot chicks turned into werewolves by taking like guys out to the campfire and then killed them, and then there was like the little like the mascot of trick or treat what was his name do we know pumpkin no not pumpkin head that's another one yeah it was a little little a little boy with a like a potato sack mask and a lollipop who was deadly and there was also the serial killer principal and uh like a vampire type thing i don't know i oh and then all the spooky stuff um like the 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 killed drowned kids in the school bus I think doing a haunted house and maze with that type of stuff would scare the living daylights out of me. Yeah. It's kind of cool that they're doing something like this that isn't 
it's not really a well-known horror movie compared to something like The Shiny or something like that. Right. It's nice that they're doing something a, a little smaller, but is still beloved by fans. And I think it's I think it's uh, universal, like Scary Kids or Werewolves or something like that. But uh, I, I like the idea of kind of an all uh, all inclusive type of free world type of haunted house maze type of thing. I think it would be just kind of cool to have some of this in there. I'm excited. Yeah. I, I really want to go do this. I don't know if I'll do it this year, but hopefully they keep doing this. I'm really in. Um, is there any other news that you have? Um, well, there, uh, Tony Todd teased that the Candyman, or the original Candyman, is getting a 4K restoration and might come to Blu-ray later this year. Wow. My goodness. Yeah, Candyman hasn't been on. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen Candyman, and that movie still scares me. Yeah, that was one of my. It's one of the few movies that I really remember from what, like watching a lot as a kid, and uh, really being scared going inside the bathroom and saying Bloody Mary or whatever it was. Yeah, there was a uh, Candyman. Yeah, Candyman. Uh, no, that movie. Yeah, I won't do that now either. No, there was too many rumors going around us kids growing up watching that, and like, no man, that kid died because he did it. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, I'm still not going to do it. <sighs> yeah. And then, okay. What else? Uh, Arrow. The last house on the left was supposed to premiere. It's the the new release the Arrow release at Texas Frightmare, but I guess it fell behind. And so now it's going to release, I think it's in July, or at least in the States, like early July. Okay. And it's going to have three different versions of the film. Wow. And We're like getting into Blade Runner territory here without many, that many cuts of a film. Yeah, it's going to have an unrated cut. A um, It's called a Krug and Company, an R-rated cut of the film, and then the original. I guess it's going to be the original one. So have you ever Not seen sure. the original Last House on the Left? I have not. Have, did you ever see the uh, revamp, the remake? Is is that the one that's done by AHA, or did he do Last House on the Left? Um, we're, we're talking about Last or, House. Or, yeah, I meant... Uh, Whatever the other one is, the Wes Craven one. Uh, Hills Have Eyes. Yeah, no, he did um, the AHA, I think, was Hills Have Eyes, but Last House on the Left remake in 2009 was done by um, Dennis Elidias or something like that. Um, it, it had Aaron Paul in it. It wasn't that good, but the original Last House on the Left uh, is really good, and it is also a Wes Craven movie, just like Hills Have Eyes. Um, See, I get those two confused. They're yeah, they came around, you know, around the same time. But yeah, it is, it is good. And, you know, Last House on the Left is basically about two, two teenage girls uh, going to a concert or to a party. Uh, one of them tries to score, you know, a little bit of pot, and they are kidnapped by a crazy gang of insane people and tortured, and then they try to escape. Um, so. I'm excited to actually see like a really good version of this on Blu-ray or 4K or um, what have you, because um, it is just it's a cool movie. This, I mean, and this is before Wes Craven did Nightmare on Elm Street before he was famous. So I'm excited. I, I'm definitely in for Last House on the Left. This is one you should definitely see. That and The Hills Have Eyes, uh, Preston. And if you're interested in Hills Have Eyes remakes one and two. They're both hilariously fun and ridiculous. <laughs> I recently watched Hills Have Eyes 2 remake, and ooh, man, it's so bad it's good. <laughs> oh, there's some funny stuff in there. Um, but yes, Last House on the Left, I'm excited. Any other horror Blu-rays or anything coming out like that? Mm, I think, uh, no, I can't think of anything else. 
All right, cool. Let's move on to my bloody recommendations. Uh, This is where we recommend a really cool horror movie for you that might have been lost in the shuffle that you haven't heard of or haven't seen in a long time. And we got you got to see these. They're awesome. They're awesome. They're amazing. They're fun. Um, Creston, what is your bloody recommendation this week? My bloody recommendation this week is 1983's Of Unknown Origin, starring RoboCop's Peter Weller. Ooh, I know you bit you you like you like family with uh, him, aren't you? Yeah, I like literally got off the phone with him just before uh, we started this podcast. That's amazing. <laughs> That's so awesome. Did you t- tell him I said hi next time? <laughs> He'll be like, "What?" It's like, quit, quit, quit wasting my time. I'm very like I know I know how he is. He's just he's a very scholarly man, and I like one of the times uh, I think it was after. I always try to find a reason to talk to him. He's anytime like he has a new project coming out or if there's a re-release of one of his movies and of of unknown origin is uh releasing next tuesday may 22nd along with the it's a live trilogy uh through scream factory and so uh this was another occasion to get us to kind of talk to get talk with each other and uh what I think it was when RoboCop 2 and 3 came out but he's in RoboCop 2 not in RoboCop 3 and I reached out to him. I like texted him and I said, uh, Hey, RoboCop two is getting a collector's edition. Would you like to talk about that? He said, I'm done talking about robo man. And I just started laughing and I, and I even said like, ha ha in, in the text and said, uh, totally understandable. And then, uh, he said anything else. And so, um, yeah, so I, I look for all kinds of reasons. So this movie of Unknown Origin is essentially, it's it's a pretty simple story about a, a fam. Well, he's, he's more of like a, a guy that's really tied down to uh, his work. He works a lot. He's trying to get this promotion, and it requires him doing this big project and conveniently his wife who's played by shannon tweed and it's like the first movie that she's been in this is right after she was the centerfold for playboy so of course in the first few minutes of the movie she's naked and showering which we're all grateful for yeah and uh, so they have a kid together who's named peter and uh, peter weller plays bart Bart Hughes, and so his his wife and his child uh, go on a trip together. I think they're going to her dad's or something like that. Um, and so he's trying to put this project together, and he get and he has this like brownstone house that's uh, in like downtown New York, and it's uh, it looks like because. Uh, me and Brian, we live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. There's the red, the, ro- the old red courthouse in downtown Dallas. It kind of looks like that. So it looks like a castle, and on the inside, uh, they, they shot it in Montreal to kind of give it that, uh, give it a different look. And um, so he's in this house alone, so he can work, and he starts hearing all these noises and there's these big shadows and it, it looks like there's going to be this big alien thing. And what it turns out to be is just this rat, just a, a rat that has a vendetta against him and he's just destroying everything. And there's like, uh, he wants, he brings in, he wants to bring in an exterminator. He's talking to like one of the handymans that's next door. Uh, and the, the handyman says, don't, don't, don't bring in an exterminator because they'll destroy your house. And then he says, I don't mind. Peter Weller says, I don't mind getting my hands dirty because I built, I restored this house myself. And so that's what he's trying to do. He, he's dealing with this obstacle and it's kind of a parallel with his work. And so the A plot and the B plot kind of coincide and they're working with each other. So it kind of gives it a little more depth than just being like a, you know, man versus rat movie. There's, (laughs) 
like Ben or Willard. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there's a little bit more there, but man, the way that they shoot a lot of the film. Uh, so uh, Greg, I mean not Greg, uh, George Cosmop. Can you say his name? Cosmopolis. Uh, I Cos- can't think of his last yeah, name. Yeah, right I think I think Cosmatos or something like that. Yeah, Cosmatos. he he directed Tombstone. Uh, he directed the other Peter Weller movie, Leviathan, that came out in the late 80s. Um, and also Rambo Part 2. Yeah. <laughs> so he's a good director, and he brings this unique visual style to the film because it, it, it kind of feels like Jaws. Like, you don't get to actually see the rat until Peter Weller has his first encounter with him. And it's a little ways into the movie. And the movie's only like 83 minutes long, so it's a little brisk. And uh, so the first thing, the first image you really get to see outside of like this gigantic shadow that kind of, it plays with your perspective a little bit, kind of like Sandlot with Hercules, the dog, like the kids kind of see this giant thing and you think it's going to be this humongous alien like rat. And it's just a normal sized rat. And, but uh, a, a really smart one at that. And so, yeah, they do these really cool visuals, like macro lenses to make it look larger than it really is. And then uh, whenever the rat puts its, like, rat claw on, like, a glass table, it looks like a huge, like, dinosaur-sized hand. And uh, so really cool uh, sound effects, really cool visuals, really good performance from Peter Weller, and it has nothing to do with my connection with him. I really think he'd, I I enjoy watching him kind of, uh, act outside his comfort zone. And in this movie, you get to hear him scream and shout and just be angry. And it's so much fun. Because it was like five years later that he did RoboCop because he really wasn't known here at this time. Yeah. He did it like four years after that. And then he did Buckaroo Banzai before that. So he just made a lot of interesting career choices. And this was his first, starring role and um so it's been really cool just watching him his journey as an actor uh from then until now and now he's just this uh big shot tv director that's doing uh sons of anarchy he did sons of anarchy episodes he did justified and then now he's doing the new uh uh sons of anarchy spinoff mayans and so he's he's uh, enjoying directing right now so did you get to ask him about this movie? Yes, I talked to him all about it. And so, uh, yeah, we, we discussed a lot of the what, what interested initially interested him in the project, because I just knowing how he is and how s- smart, I just couldn't couldn't believe like he would do a movie like this. But there's a lot of humanity that he brings to the role. So I want I was curious about the initial conversations that he had with George about the tone of the film, because the tone of the movie is really interesting because it's uh, they use like classical music and, uh, you know, typical horror music sounds and really good sound effects, loud sound effects. And so if you just put the right music in there, it could be a comedy because it's just a guy just losing his mind and being pissed off at this rat and you're pissed off at this rat. You just want this rat to die. And so he constructs this weapon. I got to ask him a little bit about this. Uh, it's a baseball bat that has rat traps on it and he puts nails in it and he's just dressed like a burglar that's wearing a, a black beanie and <laughs> like a ninja black turtleneck. <laughs> yeah. And he, and, and so one of his coworkers who's trying to be get in contact with him because whenever he goes to work, he's just so restless. He, he, He's just worn out from the entire night of this rat attacking him and attacking like all his stuff. And so uh, one of his his uh, co-workers comes there to say that he has an extension on the project that he's been working on. And she goes into his house and he's just at the top of the stairs, just crouched, just completely focused. And she's like, what's going on? It's like, I got to kill this fucking rat. <laughs> and so... Um, I just had a blast with it. It's uh, just, as I said, really short, uh, effective, simple, layered. He has a really good monologue that he told me that he wrote himself in the movie where uh, I actually said, uh, there's one scene in the movie, it's my favorite scene in the movie. It's when he's at a dinner party with his colleagues, and he's just, instead of like focusing on business or, or anything like that, 
I think somebody even like uh, throws him a softball kind of question and he just completely ignores it and starts talking about the history of rats and how that uh, works like the uh, the plague and and whatever else and so it's just really good monologue very historically driven and it just sounds exactly like him because what all the times that I've talked to him at least the first time I talked to him uh, when he came into uh, Dallas uh, Fan Expo a couple years ago I think it was like 2012 or 2013 for uh, to discuss Robocop and Star Trek um, Into Darkness uh, I asked him all these things about Ditton and he just gave me this historical lesson about uh, art and the Renaissance period he's just super knowledgeable and so just to have this one scene in the movie that really kind of reflects who he is was just great that's cool so. that's very cool I ha- so I've seen this movie but it's been years uh, I need to go see this again I need to get this yeah, uh, so th- before then, like, the only way that you could really watch it was they had a, a DVD copy, which I got my hands on uh, beforehand, because I initially I didn't know that the Scream Factory that, they ju- that they're putting out comes with the audio commentary with the director and Peter Weller, but it, it's not a new one, it's just one carried over from the DVD, and so I... I was under the impression it was a new one with just the director. And so I wanted to hear Peter Weller talk about the movie. And so I got the DVD, watched it and uh, watched it with the commentary. And then I watched the new, the, the updated uh, version that if there's Scream Factory and it comes with new interviews with uh, like a producer, some of the secondary characters and things like that. So yeah, definitely uh, pick up that uh, Scream Factory if this at all interests you. Yes, definitely. I would mean, shit, RoboCop and a rat. Who doesn't want to see that? Yep. Rhyme. All right. Uh, you ready for my bloody recommendation, Preston? Yes, bring it on. All right. My bloody recommendation this week for week five to go along with Preston's of Unknown Origins um, is a movie that came out in 1987. And was directed by John Schlesinger. Um, John Schlesinger uh, gave us such movies as Midnight Cowboy and Sunny Bloody Sunday in the Day of the Locusts. Um, but this movie is called The Believers. Um, this film is insane. This movie stars Martin Sheen, Robert Loja. Uh, it has Jimmy Smith's in it and a young Richard Mazur, Mazur or whatever. You know, he, he's the dad in, to Corey Haim in License to Drive. Hell of a cast. Uh, but this movie called The Believers, you know, the 80s, the 1980s brought us a lot of good movies. Um, but it seemed like Hollywood was really big into horror cult films or satanic cult films in the 70s and then didn't do really any in the 80s there's only like a couple and one of those is called the believers and yes it is a satanic cult horror film uh, which is based on a book by nicholas condy called the religion um it has basically if you took rosemary's baby and the movie american psycho you probably would get the believers Uh, Which is really cool, uh, meaning that a group of really wealthy, uh, business-like, social people in New York City um, are bit in the bit of the old nastiness. And when I mean the old nastiness, I mean satanic nastiness, Uh, which is really fun. Um, So basically the movie follows Martin Sheen and his uh, young son. Uh, who witness their um, their wife, um, the mother, uh, some a, a bad accident, and this causes them to move from uh, Minnesota to New York. And uh, Martin Sheen is kind of a psychologist to uh, the New York police here. Um, you know, he's putting the pieces back together. And then one officer, played by Jimmy Smith tells Martin Sheen, this his psychologist, that a satanic cult is after him. Um, meanwhile, there's like crazy child murders going around in New York City, and it looks like the top 1% wealthy New Yorkers are all in on it. 
there's like witchcraft and voodoo and even like 1980s economics. Uh, I mean, seriously, American psycho Patrick Bateman would be a prime candidate in this movie to be part of this cult. <laughs> and it is just so good. It's like it's the flow is really interesting. Uh, like it, like it's like super super suspenseful. Uh, but then like there's certain scenes where it's just like insane crazy action violence. And then there comes an M Night Shyamalan twist ending as well. Mm. It's like really cool. It's really interesting, really weird, and really fun to watch and to see you know all these actors back in the eighties. Uh, in this type of movie is super fun uh, and definitely recommend this if you, you probably haven't heard of it called The Believers and it is a Twilight Time movie meaning that you most likely won't find it on Blu-ray unless you play, pay out the wazoo for it unless you can find it on streaming somewhere so is it out of print? It might be one of them out of print uh, I'd have to check yeah the title is no longer available uh, right now, however, if you go to eBay or Amazon or try to find it streaming somewhere, highly recommend this. It's, it's called The Believers, and it is—it's one that you really want to see. It's—it's it's hell of a video and audio presentation. Uh, not really anything as far as extras on it, uh, unfortunately, mm. but um, it's just a weird movie. Like, picture those people I've told you that are in it in like an American Psycho satanic cult horrific violent movie what do you think are you excited to see this yeah that sounds awesome yeah. uh especially after watching my uh recommendation last week the church which also was kind of like a satanic cult type thing um i'm kind of into these at the moment and that one sounds really good yeah it's 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 pretty cool um if you can't find it press and i'll have to let you borrow that because i think you'd be really into it so it's yeah, got Helen, Helen Shaver in it. Yes, um, it does have from a Tremors Two and Little uh, <laughs> Littlefoot's mom. <laughs> yes, it is a it is a yeah <laughs> Helen Shaver. We haven't seen her in a long time, but yeah, it's a it's a good movie. Um, it made decent amount of money at the box office back in the eighties, like twenty million dollars almost. And uh, I mean, this is this is basically. The yeah, <laughs> let's say you have Patrick Bateman and all of his other friends from like all the CEOs of financial institutions. If they were all in a satanic cult, killing kids and stuff, <laughs> super fun without the awesome eighty soundtrack. Nice. So so that's a good little segue into our main feature, which involves murdering. Children, or not really murdering children, murderous children, murderous babies. children. We're very, you know, Rosemary's baby. If, Rose, if we got to see what Rosemary's baby looked like, yes, if we got to see what Rosemary's baby looked like. It probably would have segued in to this trilogy of films, "It's Alive," and I know all of you have probably seen the cover at least of like a VHS or DVD or poster of this, like of that old-fashioned bassinet. Uh, with like a monster baby hand hanging out called It's Alive. Yes. Uh, So, yes, I'm so happy that Scream Factory is re-releasing these because it's been a long time since I've seen these. And this is one of those movies that when I was growing up, when there were actual video stores around, I would rent on VHS and watch. Uh, And surprisingly, at least the first one, partly the second one and third one are okay, but first one still holds up for all of its kind of interesting, wacky scenarios. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, if you haven't seen It's Alive, I think you'll like it. Um, Preston, what do you have to say about It's Alive? Um, I guess starting with the first one, uh, I don't think I have ever seen these movies, so I was really excited about it because I, I I was more watching '80s horror and '90s horror when I was a kid, given that that's the age that I was when I was uh, a kid. Um, so going back and kind of watching these movies, and the first two came out in the '70s, and then the the third one came out in the late '80s. Um, so being a new father, uh, I got a nine month old. I was a little apprehensive about 
watching these movies, but at the same time, I'm going. I'm uh, I'm willing to suspend uh, disbelief, and so I had fun with them. I did. I had a lot of fun with them. I thought they were pretty smart for how kind of the goofy scenario that they present, which is. In the first one, uh, this couple are, believe that they're going to have this beautiful baby, and it ends up being this d- demonic-looking monster that has, like, three clawed hands and sharp teeth, and it just goes crazy after it's born and just kills all these doctors that are uh, in the delivery room. Which, and, which is a hilarious scene. Because when you see this, you just see all like this, like really bright red, super fake blood everywhere, and just all these doctors just yeah. laying on the floor with this like yeah. intense music. <laughs> yeah. And uh, when I was watching it, uh, my wife would pop because I've just worn her out to death, as I've said uh, in past uh, podcasts about all these movies, all these kinds of movies that I've been watching lately. So. Uh, she she did watch most of this one uh, except for the ending, um, and uh, she kept commenting on how uh, the the mom that's about to give birth to this baby is going about it very unrealistically. She's like she's <laughs> she's like she's not even breathing. Like it, it almost looks like she's ready to go to the mall, and um, so. There's that. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, when the baby gets loose, it starts uh, killing all these people, things, and uh, the the mom is feeling a connection towards it, and the dad is, you know, j- just like Peter Weller's character and of unknown origin, uh, he's, he's business-driven, and he's he wants to keep his ego intact and his image intact and so he just doesn't want to be associated with it at all or even the idea uh that uh he gave you know his wife gave birth to this thing and uh in the end the movie is kind of depressing it's uh it's way more emotional than i was expecting i don't know if that has anything to do with me being a recent father and having a baby but uh, it kind of, it just, I wasn't expecting that. And it kind of hit me in the end, um, in the first one. And so, yeah, you're right that this, the, the first one is probably, is the best one out of all of them. Um, it just has the, the most ideas and it's, it's simple. Yeah. And I loved, I loved, so the, in the extras on the Scream Factory, the uh, writer, producer, director, Larry Cohen, who's like OG gangster-like producer, yeah. <laughs> um, has great stories about this movie and what they did and how they made it. And even in the, the, the extras, he's like, yeah, I did all of this. This was me. This was shot in my home. This was shot in here. This is... <laughs> This is how it became popular, and we made two sequels. You know, it's super fun. But yeah, the first one is so good, and I think what I liked about the first one so much is that, much like Alien, or even what you said of Unknown Origin, you barely see this little monster baby, other than like for like two seconds at a time, and only a portion of its face. Yeah, most of it's really quick. It's kind of given that. Uh, they're they're working with like a Jaws kind of budget where uh, they didn't have this was 1974 they didn't have the ability to make it look as it probably could today and so they're using like practical effects and a lot of a lot of the murders and the killings happen off screen like you'll just see as you said uh, this uh, really bright blood. Um, that kind of gives it this uh, dark comedy feel. And then, like, is it the first one where, like, a milkman gets killed? Yeah, there's a milkman in a truck delivering glass bottles of milk. And then all of a sudden you just hear, like, some stuff. And then you just see, like, white just, milk squirting yeah. out. And then red not even, blood. Not even the blood. But <laughs> yeah. Yet. Well, yeah. I was expecting it to happen, like, right away. Kind of like, uh, I don't know, Jurassic 
Park Lost World or something with the waterfall. Like, just happen immediately. Just blood start coming out. But no, it's like milk. Yeah, it's milk. For, for a little while. The baby needs blood. milk. <laughs> yeah. It was really he's like funny. He's like, I'm, I'm only doing you a favor bringing this milk. And then uh, you got to kill the guy. Yep. Yep. Um, but uh, I enjoyed the second one, too, to, until the ending. Um, I thought they handled it really well with uh, they bring back the father from the first one. And uh, he's kind of like this guide guy who wants to help other couples who are going through the similar uh, similar situa- uh, situation because this has kind of become an epidemic at this point. Like more couples are beginning to have these mutant babies. Like at the end of the second or at the end of the first one, it like beautifully sets up uh, the second one and kind of gets you like uh, no pun intended like hungry for more. And it, they said uh, there's another baby in Seattle, and you're like, oh shit. And so um, <laughs> this one does doesn't take place in Seattle, but it does bring up the that uh, the government is killing these babies, and he wants to be real with these couples. And these couples, they have no idea what's going on because it's so it's so brand new, and uh, so they think he's crazy. And then they have this baby, and um, he like comes in to. C- stealthily hides a gun behind a clipboard and somehow the cops on the other side of the wall don't take notice as he's uh uh having this doctor bring him into uh the delivery room to extract her and bring her and the dad into this van so they can properly deliver the baby uh and like cage it and like all that take all the proper precautions that they need to do because these people are just going to murder it. And, uh, from there, uh, like they do like science experiments and they, you get to see that there's, uh, there's two more of them. So there's three babies and they, they co- coincidentally call, uh, two of them, Adam and Eve. So there's, I don't know. I was just really, um, again, surprised with this one and the depth that it was going to, or at least what it sets up to, but it kind of ends very similarly. And I think that's where I was just like, Oh, I just really wanted to. And I hope this doesn't sound too much like a spoiler, but I I really wanted it to end with uh, the couple completely accepting their child and then just kill the people who, uh, you know, are quote unquote doing the right thing. Right. And, and like, like a, how a horror movie should, like no horror movie should like end happily unless you're like 28 days later or something like that. And, uh, so yeah, there's that one. And then, and then you want to talk about the third one? Oh, of course. So yeah. So it's alive. Then it's alive again. And then you have, it's alive Island or, of the alive. Yeah. <laughs> or I, keep, I get, I get the second one confused cause I keep on saying it's alive too, but it's actually, it lives again. Oh, that's what a, Oh yeah, it lives again. Yeah, not it's alive. It lives again. It's alive. It lives again. Yeah. <laughs> then it's alive. Three island of island the alive, of the which lives. we go tropical with it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, oh, so funny. Yeah. The first two are very serious, and then this one is the kind of tone that you would expect from a movie that's called "It's Alive." It's it's alive island of the alive. Um, yeah. Did you did you like this? Did you? I mean, is it, is it like just like so silly funny that it's good, or is it just like why why do this? Oh, it's so silly and funny that it's good. Okay. Uh, I Michael Moriarty uh, plays this guy named or another father named Jarvis. Uh, no relation to, to the Marvel universe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he's like in a. It opens up with him being, or actually, it opens up. Kind, strangely different from any of the other ones but uh a a woman's given birth in like a cab or something like that 
Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. She goes in. The, uh, she yeah. She gives it in the taxi, and the the I think the, the cab driver like goes to like the police or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and he's like, I I got this. You're about to have a baby, and I'll do. And then it's one of the mutant babies, and he dies. <laughs> um, and, and, then so, the, and then the officer tries to like kill it, which is excellent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like how horror, that, that kind of horror movie structure that's kind of uh, developed as of late, uh, especially when Wes Craven came onto the scene with like the screen movies, how like there has to be like one really crazy opening and then you got the rest of the movie to kind of like add all the exposition. And so that that's what that's what it's doing. So here, Michael Moriarty's played Jarvis, his father, who's trying to prove to the court that he that these babies are just scared and they're completely capable of being loving towards the parents and then um the the baby and this is 1987 so the first one came out in 1974 the effects for the movie have not changed one bit they 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 look (laughs) they still look super dated and everything and i it had more of a budget this time around, but I guess that just went to them shooting in, on the island, which is uh, Hawaii. So I guess they spent all their money that way. But um, so yeah, they, they convince he convinces the court, and so uh, these babies now are being taken to this tropical island where you get to see them uh, grow up. You get to see like the adult form of them because that's that's kind of a cool direction to take it in. And uh, there's measles and disease and just kind of like all these like interesting setups for them. And uh, yeah, uh, it, I guess they, they, you know, this comes full circle, this podcast right now. Uh, we yeah. talked about land of the dead and the zombies kind of evolving. These mutant yeah. babies evolve because they can like communicate like, telepathically Telepathically. yeah Yeah. it's just so funny oh we planned this perfectly didn't we yeah we did (laughs) so yeah it's the goriest one out of all of them and there's a really good death death scene in a a boat where a woman gets her face scratched (laughs) um so yeah i i enjoyed the entire trilogy quite a bit more than i expected to and uh yeah i recommend it it's got really good features on it and really cool packaging just like three separate discs put into this nice little slip cover that holds them all together and uh affordable it's yeah like 40 it's, bucks. it is it is it is uh it's worth it and you have to know that rick baker was the makeup guy for this and rick baker you know gave us american werewolf in london and michael jackson's thriller and you know Eddie Murphy's uh, clumps and everything like that. He he did the the makeup for this, and also of note, Bernard Herman, um, the composer and music guy, did the music for this movie. And you know, he's done tons of films. Like he he did a lot of stuff with Alfred Hitchcock, like Psycho, North by Northwest, and Vertigo. Um, he also composed scores for like stuff like Citizen Kane. Uh, and Taxi Driver, and just tons and tons of really cool stuff. But he did the did the music here, and in the extras, you'll hear Larry Cohen talk about, like, our movie was not really great until Bernard Herrmann's score came along, <laughs> and it made us, like, official. So I think that's just really cool. So, I mean, It Lives might look like just a B-rate horror movie which it is but there's just so much talent behind it that it's kind of hard even in all three films there's a lot there and i'm surprised i'm so surprised that this movie has not been remade yet (laughs) uh i think they remade the first the first one in like 2006 or something like that they did yeah and oh yeah it's alive in 2009 yeah, you know what? I never saw that one. And it was actually uh, the screenplay by Larry Cohen, I think. Yeah, I, I think all they did was just um, use his exact same screenplay. But this uh, didn't, screenplay. this wasn't released in, like, movie theaters, though. This was, like, straight to DVD, I think. 
Uh, I, I would assume so since I haven't really heard of it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, well, then I will say I'm surprised they haven't made an actual real remake <laughs> of this. Um, because this just sounds like so much. I mean, it screams like a remake. We've seen so many baby movies, boss baby, baby geniuses, whatever. Let's give us a horror baby movie. <laughs> and like, the yeah. thing is, is that this movie is never like, at least the first two are never really like s- silly. They, I mean, it kind of takes itself seriously. Yeah. Which is fine in some cases such as this, yeah. but yeah. That's uh, coming up on Scream Factory. I'm very excited for that. It's a live trilogy. Oh my goodness. Episode 5 in the can, Preston, I think, right? Yeah, that's it. Oh my goodness. we Guys, we're so glad you listened to the My Bloody Podcast on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Um, of Unknown Origins, check that out. Check out The Believers. It's a live trilogy. All horror stuff. Um, Preston, where can we find you? Do we have to call Peter Weller and ask for your information? <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. You can find me on Fresh Fiction TV, where I'm the features editor, posting stuff from all my other writers and stuff myself, and my weekly theatrical reviews and home releases like It's Alive, the It's Alive trilogy, which I reviewed at the Denver Chronicle, and uh, James Cole Clay, which he, he almost snuck by. We almost didn't bring him up, but uh, he wrote a uh, review of the trilogy on Fresh Fiction TV, which you can also check out. Um, so, yeah, that's where I'm at. Awesome. And we got to get Cole Clay on this show at some point in time. Yeah. Just- I, we're, I feel like we should just pull the whole uh, Jimmy Kimmel thing where, like, apologies to Matt Damon. <laughs> apologies. <laughs> apologies to James Coldplay. We it's, ran out of time. We ran out of time this week. Hopefully next week we do miss him. Uh, but, yeah, we'll be back next week with episode six. And I guess it'll be a surprise for you guys. Um, you can find me at Boomstick Comics and High Def Digest. And go to iTunes, go to Stitcher Radio, type in my bloody podcast, type in the multimedia men, type in Preston Barta, type in Brian Kluger. You'll find us. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Please, 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 please. We love you, my bloody podcast. Thank you, Preston, as always. My pleasure. And we'll be back next week.